Welcome to Write Into Your High Calling with author and professor Sherry McGriff. Write Into Your High Calling is dedicated to inspiring you, equipping you, and challenging you to steward the call of writing that God has on your life. So if you're up for it, let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Right to Your High Calling with Sherry McGriff. Um, I have a great treat for you today with my very longtime friend, Anna Stone. And um, we're going to talk about dystopian literature and writing and so many great things. So let's pray first. So Lord, we just dedicate this broadcast to you. We pray that everything that you want us to get out for me to ask and for the viewers and listeners to gain from this that it would come out in the interview in jesus name and we just speak peace and joy over it in jesus name amen. amen okay so welcome anna so i want to um so anna's i have known since i was 19 20 years old maybe it's it's been a while yes mm-hmm. but we are timeless and still still cute right <laughs> anyway so Annis wrote this book, Until I Am Dust, and her bio is very short, so this will be very fast, but she is a professor. She works for a major university in the United States, actually a couple of them, and um, she teaches students, she takes on dissertation students, so she's very, very intelligent, but her bio is like a paragraph, um, a very short paragraph. Uh, Rockland Grace, she also has a pseudonym, Rockland Grace, lives in the beautiful mountains of Colorado where life is wildly free and beautifully peaceful. She loves morning coffee, sunsets in the cool evenings, and the interruption of a moonbeam across living room late at night. Now that is definitely a fiction author's bio with the moonbeams. I love it. So welcome, welcome Rockland, welcome Annis. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel much. like I should be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so let's get right into it because I just mentioned the pseudonym. Why did you choose a pseudonym? And what was the, the choices and decisions behind that? Um, mainly, um, I wanted a, a pseudonym that would really uh, suit me and reflect me. And besides the fact that I live in the Rocky Mountains with Rockland, I also stand firmly on the rock of Jesus Christ and his grace is sufficient for me. And so that was the way I came up with my name. All right. And um, if someone was going to choose a pseudonym for themselves, what kind of things do they need to take into consideration? Oh, I think the name should have meaning like Mm. mine does. Right. Um, So that when you say it, it actually uh, brings out a piece of you Um, and your readers are also seeing a piece of you if they are insightful readers. And you hope you always gain insightful readers and that they will recognize that your name has meaning. Well, that definitely goes back to your literary uh, background, right? Yes. (laughs) Somebody else might not think of that. (laughs) but uh, I love that I love that so um, tell us about your book okay of it and everything okay um 
with my book, um, it's a Western dystopian uh, story about two people who um, are a little broken. They have some issues that they're dealing with, which of course makes them, I hope, a little more complex um, and how those things affect their life. And, and I wanted to write a tale and a story about that involved um, some redemption and some um, just uh, beauty involved in it. I also wanted to write some romance and some adventure. Uh, and this seemed like uh, the story to tell. Um, so it's about, you know, uh, a man and a woman and how they end up together um, and then how they navigate being together um, because the way they end up together is the big, you know, that's the big, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then how they navigate their relationship. So it's, it's a Western dystopian um, tale with some futuristic uh, glimpses and um, I've, in, I've woven into it some subtle Christian messages if you are a Christian reader and you want to see that in a story. Yes, um, you talk about the, the futuristic thing. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's futuristic. I would say it's more reality right now. Well, I think you could be right. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've got some very futuristic, but yes, We've got there's some passes that people have to have. We could say it goes uh, the health pass from the Holocaust. You could say, yes, there is some of that in it. Uh, when I look at it, and when I started it, and what I, what we've seen come to pass in the world today, um, there's some things in it that I think surprise me and yet they tell something that's very real happening right now in our world yes they absolutely do and I suggest that everyone get this book and read it um tell me though about so your two main characters did you mention their names I did not so my main character is Soaring Eagle and you can see if you look at you know he has a large eagle tattooed on him and he does in the story as well um and his, uh, and the young lady in the uh, story is Kathleen. So tell us about Eagle's red hair. Oh, Eagle's red hair. Um, so Soaring Eagle, I wanted to create a character that had um, a mixed race descent. So he's an American Indian of Cherokee descent and uh, has Irish and uh, Scottish and French lineage as well, which gives him his red hair. Um, and I wanted to create a, a character whose uh, looks when he would walk into a room or enter into a situation, all eyes would kind of be on him because he was he's so unique of a person. And so that was part of it. And I realize now as I was creating him, he's kind of a conglomeration of my husband and my two sons. My older son has red hair. My younger son has bronze skin. Um, and my husband has green eyes. And this is Soaring Eagle. <laughs> and so, but again, anyway, I wanted to create a character who could move a room just by entering room. And that's what he does. Yeah, I could see that he is all three of them um, wrapped yes. up together as yes. one. Um, that's normal for writers to do. You take bits and pieces from people, you know, 
and put them in a character. Um, but I, I want you to tell us about what happened in Walmart. Oh, that's a great little story, isn't it? Yes, you know that one. Um, my younger son and I, uh, we were going, we walked into the Walmart store and we were just doing what we do, doing a little shopping. And all of a sudden we both stopped. And in this shopping cart was this beautiful, green-eyed, bronze-skinned, red-headed little boy. And I was just gaping. And my younger son nudged me and he said, mom, look, it's Soaring Eagle when he was about five years old. And I realized that's exactly what I was seeing. I was seeing Soaring Eagle. And it was just quite a moment for me to realize that this character I created could actually really exist, really be, you know, this, this person. And so it was, it was a beautiful moment for me. <laughs> and did you feel like it was God confirming the story he gave you? Absolutely. I did. I did. And, and I'll go ahead and, and throw this in and, and we may come back around to it. But um, when I took your workshop, cause I did your Ezekiel writing workshop, um, you asked us at one point, or asked me in particular, because I was the one writing the fiction, um, to write uh, a piece of background about Soaring Eagle's parents. So, um, and that scene ended up being the prologue of the story. And it was that moment where he, as a very little boy, meets his dad. And, um, and that was having, having that um, little Walmart boy uh, enter into my story. That was part of it. So it was, it was very com confirming for me. That's good. That was the origin story. Yes. Oh yeah. The origin of the journey, the origin of the pain, um, mm -hmm. sometimes a lie that a character believes. So yes. Oh, yes. At first I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> but then now I remember. Yes. Um, Yes, that was, the prologue is really good. It's really good. It's exactly what a prologue should be. It is, um, it's, it's not set in the time of the story itself. So it gives us a hint. Some people love prologue, some people don't like it, like them, but this one, it works really well. So, so tell me about um, the genre dystopian. Why did you choose that? And um, what, what elements do you think a dystopian novel need to have in them? Oh, <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing uh, a dystopian novel has is um, a broken society. Mm. Um, because it, a dystopian is opposite of utopian. So we have a broken society and there are hints of that brokenness. Um, and I wanted to create, I wanted to write a Western tale where we could have ranch life and all of that, but I also wanted modern snippets to be able to slip into this story. Um, and it seemed that that's what the dystopian genre fit that really well. So while I have horses, I can also have um, drones flying around, you know, and watching everybody. Um, or we can have uh, things like that. Um, and, and like you mentioned earlier, you know, some kind of, um, health passes or identity passes to, to move around from place to place. So it seemed like dystopia was the best way to 
have all the elements that I wanted because I love horses and ranch life and Western life and um, uh, all the dances with wolves, right? And all those uh, beautiful, all that beautiful scenery, but I also needed and wanted to tell the story of a broken society where you've got this, um, these strange elements that enter into it. But within all that, you also have a resilient people, a remnant that lives within this troubled uh, world. Hence why it's also called, you know, the Remnant Chronicles, because we have this group of people that they're very resilient and they live on, no matter what happens, they live on. <laughs> yes, um, they're powerful, they're strong. The resilient is exactly the right word for it. Exactly the right word for it. So now you have a male protagonist and you have a female protagonist. So yes. dual protagonist is not the easiest thing to pull off, but you did that very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's not. In fact, they recommend if it's your first book, not to do that. <laughs> but yes. I encouraged you to do it, didn't I? <laughs> yes. After, after we realized exactly what I was I'm like, looking. no, you need both. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Just a note about that. If you do have dual protagonists, you need to choose one alpha protagonist that it's essentially their story, which it is Soaring Eagle's story, but it's, but Kathleen is also um, a protagonist. So you, you, but you choose one story that's kind of over the other, but, but you still have two. Um, speaking of that, so we have a male and a female protagonist. So who is this book for? Who is the book for? Um, this uh, is for a reader that wants some adventure, a little romance, and some uh, subtle biblical principles uh, woven into it. Um, the reader who wants uh, characters that are good people, but also are flawed people. Um, and that's, I think, important to bring out in, in Christian literature. I haven't seen a lot of it, but Admittedly, I maybe need to read even more, but I like to see um, characters who love God do their best to follow him, but still have moments where they utter a bad word or something doesn't go exactly the way they'd like. And they, they feel that frustration. And sometimes they even act on their frustration instead of stepping back, but they have those reflective moments where they then still feel the redemptive love and the grace that God extends to us. And I think that's really uh, important and perhaps needed in literature. And so that's the kind of reader and, you know, a believer or an unbeliever can certainly read this story and enjoy it. Yeah, they, uh, you show their humanity, they, they're yep. Christians, or at least one is initially, and you show their um, humanity. That you know, they're not perfect. They mess up. Sometimes they misunderstand uh, what's going on. Sometimes we blame God, different things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <clears throat> the humanity yeah. part is really important. Now, do you think male and female readers would like the book or what do you think? I do. I've had some male readers and they've given me some very good feedback, you know, and what's interesting is a lot of male readers like big epic tales you know, with loads and loads of detail. Um, and I, I, you know, I, and I recognize that, um, but the male readers I've had, they have enjoyed this one. So yes, 
I'm excited to say that I think a male can pick this book up and enjoy it. Yeah, I think, um, and it just came to me, but I think a couple could read the book together. Let's say you need something to do together. You can yeah. read the book together. Um, <clears throat> or one reads it aloud, you know, I don't know, maybe a fun couple thing to do. Um, but yes, definitely, I think men and women will like the book and, and of many age groups too. I think, yes, I think so. millennials would like it and uh, even younger. Um, what's the generation called this under millennials? I don't know. What's it called? Or is it disease? Generation Z? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was, what was I? I was, was I X? I think I was X. Are we in generations oh, okay. Z? If you're not in the US, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't even. I don't know. know. I've lost. I've I, lost. I can't keep track. <laughs> I, I barely know what day of the week I'm on. So how will I keep track of that? Uh, anyway, and I have kids in multiple age. I have millennials, and then whatever the next one is called. <laughs> so I don't know. Um. Oh gosh. So tell me about your writing process. Now you mentioned the challenge you did with me, which I appreciate you mentioning, but um, so what's your, what was your writing process like? Okay, so um, mine's pretty simple, at least I guess it is for me. It may not work for somebody else, but I usually start with a very simple story arc and I know some events that I definitely want to see happen in the story. And then, what I do is I'll write the conversations and the dialogue around that. And then after that, I build the world and I build in the other um, details and things that will come with scenes and figure out the other characters and people that need to come in to make the story really full. So I go through multiple revisions, but revision is the fun part to me. The, the that original drafting that's not the fun part to me but I know for a lot of other writers they love that part and hate the revision and I love the revision when I get to that part I'm usually pretty excited about it so that's part of it the with this book too I want to mention this because I think it's important for um, other Christian artists to to acknowledge or at least be aware of this because it may be happening to them and they don't know but that is dreams um, there are scenes in this book that were literal dreams for me, vivid, lucid dreams. And a couple of times I would dream those dreams over and over and over again. And the dreaming wouldn't stop. Oh, you're breaking up. Down. <laughs> so you're breaking up. Oh, I'm breaking up. What part oh, do I need to repeat? Um, the start with dreams again. So dreams. Um, there are scenes in my book that were literal dreams. And I would dream those scenes over and over until I finally wrote them down. And I remember then that. Would stop. So those were, I think, lucid messages um, that the Holy Spirit was giving to me to write into the book. And so that's something I think, you know, uh, maybe there's another writer out there or an artist, you know, a painter or something, and you're having lucid dreams, do something with that. that that's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Write yes. that down. And yes. then if you're, if you're a painter, go paint it. Go paint it. If you're a sculptor, go right. sculpt. Yes. 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 Very, very good. I love that. Um, give us some best tips for writers okay. that you have right now. I think I wrote a few of those down. 
Yes, here we go. So I'm going to look at my notes. Um, first, of course, is get your story out. Just go ahead and get as much of it out as you can, whether it's an outline or whether it's that rough draft, go ahead and get some, something on paper that you can deal with. Um, one thing that helped me immensely is that I had one person who read everything from the beginning on and on and on through the very end. And that was my niece. She was my primary first reader and she read the worst draft all the way to the end of the best draft. So one person that can, you can talk things over, how I developed the characters, certain scenes and things. And I remember I had a day, and this was really important that I had her, I had a day where I realized this story was starting to write itself. And I had a big change I needed to make that I hadn't anticipated. I called her up and we talked through that change. And the results of that change will be in book two but it was a big change that I had to make in book one so that it would work in book two. And of course she was the best sounding board because again, she had read every draft I had and would help me talk through those things. So if you can get a person, you know, whether it's your spouse or again, a niece, a nephew, somebody who can, that, you know, can give you some really good helpful feedback as you're writing or painting or, writing poetry or you know whatever it is your prophetic gift is yes get someone to give you that good feedback a good faithful person yes and don't choose someone who does not care about that right. let's say you have a spouse or a friend who really just is not into what you write don't try to force it because all they'll do is end up hurting you Exactly. And stalling you and feel, and making you step back from what God has put in you to get on the page. So you, you do have to choose that person very wisely or even a critique group. Mm -hmm. Like um, I led a, a word weavers crit critique group for like four years and, um, and went to one before that. Mm -hmm. And um, so some critique groups and this one worked, but some critique groups don't work. And if you're in a bad one where the person um, they critique and it's they just shred you instead of um, lovingly give constructive feedback, you are in the wrong group. So find right. another, right. find another group because they'll destroy you. Exactly, and this is where your workshop too was very helpful as you know another facet of that because we had a really nice group where uh, people would ask really good poignant questions. Um, regardless of what we were writing, whether it was a children's book or my, you know, big fiction novel or um, nonfiction, you know, something truthful uh, or real rather, um, nonfiction, um, whatever it is, you want somebody who can ask good questions and listen to your heart and where your heart is and somebody who believes in the uh, prophetic gifting that is coming through you and into your work. That's really important. You don't want somebody who doesn't believe that it's a gift in operation. You want somebody who is exactly, as you say, uh, aligned with that with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. We, we did have a great group and, you know, she's mentioned the workshop a couple times. So it does start again. I appreciate that. It does start again Monday. It's the only time I'm offering it this year. And it's the only time I've offered it in the last two years. <laughs> the first time was two years ago. So um, it's for fiction or nonfiction. So 
and the lessons will be slightly varied depending on what you're writing. Okay, now everyone's heard about this fabulous book you wrote. So now can you read us a little, uh, a short section, please? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love hearing authors read their own work. I love it. I do too. I hope I do okay. <laughs> it's like no pressure. <laughs> no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I'm trying to decide, do I need my glasses or not? <laughs> probably, probably. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Exhaustion and black waves began to take over the beaten man's body and pain. But the fear he'd been carrying for a month while zigzagging through sectors at night and trying to avoid being caught was ebbing away. Unable to hold himself up any longer, he let himself sink against Kathleen's back. His head drooped to her shoulder, and he hoped she'd be strong enough to hold him. He'd lost a lot of weight, right along with muscle from his journey, but he was still no small man at six feet tall. She was warm. He could feel her heartbeat from her back against his chest, steady but faster than he'd expected. He felt her take a deep breath and exhale slowly, straightening up to support him. The tenseness under her show of great strength was evident and he was overwhelmed by it, realizing what she'd done was both courageous and extremely risky. He felt her pull back just a little on the reins and her stallion slowed to an easier walk. Her shoulders lifted and he figured out she was taking off her belt. I need to tie you against me. If you fall off here, I won't be able to get you back on by myself. Under any other circumstances, he would never willingly allow anyone to bind him. He fought hard against the four protectors, unable to best them because of his hunger and tiredness. He was bordering on the edge of hopelessness, yet he knew she was right. It was safer for them that both that way. He moved his arms more tightly around her thin form and grasped the pommel of the saddle so she could secure him. I'm sorry, she whispered. It's okay, he slurred. The steady rhythm of the ride caused him to slow his thinking, and he knew he was sinking into darkness and away from the bruises, blood, and pain. Everything went black with exhaustion. He moaned against her back as he drifted from consciousness. His dreams knew her. Mm, I love that last line. Say it again, say it again. His dreams knew her. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. I love great lines. I love great <laughs> lines. I love it. I love it. All right. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> I, I will, I will credit my amazing husband for that line. I, I was going to say that, but I decided not to. <laughs> yeah. When he read that draft, he was like, Oh, add this. And he was right. Oh no. I'm thinking that it would be something you would say about him, but okay, I'll take it either way. <laughs> By the way, I know her husband, um, or met uh, so long. We've known each other so long. Mm -hmm. We were all super, super young at the time. Yes. We're still young, but we were super young. then. <laughs> um, amazing couple, uh, which also shows up in your book that, that you have this amazing couple. You know, it, it shows, it reveals a lot of that. And it, it's wonderful to read that, I must say. Um, what do you feel God is saying right now to readers? Oh, gosh. Um, be bold and write what God has put in your heart to say. And it may be different from 
uh, what he's telling other authors to say, and that's okay. Be bold and take that risk, write it down um, and tell your story. Like I said, as, as you and I have said a couple of times through here, there were things that I put in my story that I didn't realize were touching on reality. And I thought they were kind of crazy at first, but here we are. <laughs> and so I would say, yes, be bold, take that risk, write it down. And what if people don't like what you wrote? That's okay. I'm sure there are probably people who don't like what I have written, but, um, but that's okay. I, I believe I've been obedient to the Lord. In, what I, in the story that I have told here and the ones that are going to be coming that I've been obedient. And that's, that's what's important, you know, um, books last uh, beyond uh, the lifetimes of the authors. And, and that's what I think uh, is important that maybe the story will be significant for my grandchildren, more significant than it is now, and that's okay. So if somebody doesn't like it today, maybe a few years down the road, others will, or more will. So, so far, I, uh, I have very, very good feedback for the story and for the book. So, and, and people sending me messages to finish the second one. <laughs> that's, that's really nice to hear. You know, and as part of your legacy, it, it's definitely, um, I heard Chris Valentin mentioned years ago, I would listen to his podcast um, at, for a certain amount of time. He was always talking about writing. And Chris Valentin um, is one of the pastors at Bethel in California. Okay. And he would talk about that God showed him like a portrait above the fireplace, like a hundred years from now. And his family in the room, I mean, and he's passed away. And so the portrait was of him, the painting. And his family was in the living room and he didn't know them. And they were talking about their, their grandfather and the books he had written at that time, a hundred years from now. Wow. Now, whether we'll be here a hundred years from now, who knows? I mean, we physically won't, who knows, but God really impressed upon him. And I've always remembered that, that the books are a legacy and we don't know how we will impact someone in our own family or others in the world a hundred years from now. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm totally impacted by uh, C.S. Lewis's work mm -hmm. today, even still. Yes. Absolutely. And then the movies that were made, um, especially the first, the first two from his books, but uh, I've read all of them and the, it's just, it's incredible. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that you have a, a book too. So tell me about, so you have a series then. Tell me about your series. What are you doing with it? Well, um, it's kind of a broad question. I don't know how much to reveal. And that was a terrible question. I was going to ask you if you have plans for the next book, but you already mentioned it. So I'm like, yes. So I will tell you this. Um, this this book, of course, focuses on Soaring Eagle and his um, story with Kathleen. Uh, but I'm bringing in the next book will focus on his older brother. Um, and his name is Hawk Callahan. And then there will be a third book about uh, their sister. Uh, 
what's her name again? Sparrow. Sparrow. That's right. Yeah. I love that. And I live on Song Sparrow. Yes, you do. That's right. <laughs> do I'll not show up at my house, anyone who's listening. Yes. Calling <laughs> um, first. Um, <laughs> and unless your family figured out, I like bird imagery in the Bible. <laughs> I love birds. I love birds. And I love trees. You also have trees. Trees. Yes. Yes, indeed. A tree is a big symbol. In the big, big part of this book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, tell our readers, viewers, how they can find you. Okay. And, and find your books. Yes. My books are on Amazon in ebook or paperback. Um, so Rockland Grace, if you just look up Rockland Grace, that'll pop right up and you can order this one. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Rockland Grace Remnant Writer. I'm also on Facebook at with Rockland Grace Remnant Writer. So uh, any of those also rocklandgracegmail.com if you want to send me an email. I would love to hear from folks. Um, would be very happy to do that. If you would like a signed book, I would be very happy to sign a book. Um, signed books uh, straight from me and I'll personalize it, uh, $15. And uh, if you send me an email or contact me on one of my social media, Facebook or Instagram again, I'll be happy to tell you how to get a signed copy. I love that, I love that. And for your workshop, Folks, um, if one person finishes, you know, six weeks and, you know, accomplishes what they set out to, to accomplish, I would love to send somebody a, a book for free. So that would be amazing. One of your participants, you know, maybe it would serve as just a, um, an encouragement to get people to write. Let's get writing, folks. <laughs> you know what that, that brings me back to this how, how long did you have this story inside you before you started writing it I start well uh, years ago like in 1999 is when I first got the general idea for this book long time ago yes and then around 2015 I started dabbling in it again and then in 2019 it hit me really hard because I had I had a dream I had a whole dream on February the 26th. I had a dream of waking and sleeping and waking and sleeping and, and hearing from the Lord that whole night. And I, and uh, that uh, night kind of shifted my world and I knew change was coming for me. Um, and a lot of other things happened to me that year. It, 2018 was a very big year. And, um, and then I just was completely compelled that I had to write this story because of uh, the dreams coming back um, the way they did. And, and again, having to write to, to stop dreaming and get a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not necessarily um, for people listening, procrastination, let's say you've had a book and you've, and you've known you needed to write it for decades or just a couple of years, it's not necessarily that you procrastinated. Maybe it wasn't the time to do it yet. 
but now is the time. If you're watching this or listening, now is the time because you would not be watching or listening if it wasn't. Exactly. Now's the time. Do it. Yeah. Yes. And you can be two years down the road with a published book. <laughs> yes. And it was almost exactly two years too. Yes. Yes. And of course I wanted it to be faster, but I am <laughs> again and again that love is a patient thing. And so you so you love your characters and you love them into being and you love the words and you love them some more. And then finally the, it all comes together. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, let's talk about that two-year process then. What, what actually happened in the two-year process? Because I, I don't want people to be misled. If you want to do traditional publishing, publishing if, um, and that's fine if you do, if that's the, the route God has had you follow for what, whichever book you're doing, it might be a different purpose. So traditional publishing, once an editor, um, an agent has signed you, and then once they get a publisher to take you on, and that alone can take a long time, then from that point, that's about two-year process. That does not include the writing time. Exactly. So what Annis did, or Rockland Grace did, is a little different. So tell us what your process that what involved what was involved in that two year process because that does sound like a long time, but it's actually short when you independently um, publish as opposed to traditional. Right, and quite a bit shorter actually. Yes, it it actually is, and I and I have to remind myself of that because sometimes it just seems like it took longer. And I will admit there are moments where. Um, I had to get out of my own way and out of my own head and out of my own worry and just take what I thought were terribly risky steps. And they're still scary, even though I've done it once, you know, it's still a little scary because the technology changes. But so um, having a book coach, somebody who can read through like, um, like you did, um, have that person read through, make sure that the story is solid and fits in places and uh, somebody um, with that insight to ask the good questions, the hard questions to make sure that you've, you know, if there's, if there's uh, a clue in this book, is it going to continue to the second? All of those things. So you want, you know, a good solid um, person again for that. And, the rough drafting processes and keeping at it and being really committed, remembering that your book is not just for you, it's for other people. And that's what's important. Don't forget that you've got a who, a significant who, um, and why you're doing it. Um, and one thing too, I came to a point where I honestly just did not know what to do. And a mutual friend of ours said, it's time for you to get your cover designed. And that was a big jumping off place for me to, again, figure out uh, where to go, the technology, how it was going to work, and then finally getting just a beautiful cover and a cover designer who loved dystopian romance westerns. I, I don't know. I, it was, I just think it was the hand of God, again, finding me the right person out of this vast list of artists and going back and forth with her to get just the right cover. So that was a big thing. Then ISBN numbers, that's even a process. Figuring and taking the risk to buy 
10, 15, 20 of them instead of like one at a time. <laughs> so there were just all, and reading all the instructions, making sure you understand what you're reading. <laughs> yes. It's a little scary because every platform has a different vocabulary. So you have to figure all, out all those things. And then you finally get to a point where now you need a copy editor. Well, what the heck is that, right? <laughs> so picking that person, that can even be a challenge because, you know, they'll have a slightly different vision about what they, who they are and what they want to do for you. And you have to pick somebody who still will not steal your voice or not steal it, but change it. Change it. Yes. Um, so you have to choose wisely on that. And, um, and if you make a mistake being willing to say, oops, well, I'll find somebody else. Right. <laughs> um, and so that was a process. And then um, I was so grateful to, again, I'm going to toot your horn again, have you as the formatter. Once, once I got through those things, your formatting was beautiful. It's just absolutely, utterly beautiful. And I get compliments on your formatting. Okay. <laughs> and, and I, again, you know, because we're prophetic people, um, when you did this and you put the imprint here on every seventh chapter. I don't think anybody but a prophetic person would have known to do that, that that would even be a subtle gift in this book, but it is, it's right there. Um, and so those processes and steps, they can take some time. And um, I'm naturally a mullet over kind of gal. Sometimes I mull it too hard and I have wonderful people like you and my husband who will you know, kick me out of that. But those steps, and again, even though two years on the one hand sounds long, it's actually is like you're saying very short because a traditional publisher, I still might not be published. But I went ahead and did it. That's another thing. When you choose, when you become your own publisher and you choose your publishing name, <laughs> you might have to do a little research about that to make sure it's not already taken because you don't want to accidentally take somebody else's name. And so that two years, um, that also included the writing yeah. and multiple drafts multiple drafts and, and multiple uh, and two manuscript evaluations, two full ones that I did on yes. that. Plus your person who, your niece who read it and knew all the changes and would like um, collaborate with you when you needed it and all that. Yes. So, And the copy <clears throat> editor. Mm -hmm. And then again, back for final reviews. And then you get the, you know, you finally get a print copy that, you know, uh, to look at. Um, and the e the ebook process, I would tell anybody, publish your ebook first get a few readers to look at it and find, you know, mistakes. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of people doing that for me and they would, you know, email me back a list, you know, of little things that they caught um, that the copy editor didn't catch, right? And then, um, and then through the formatting process, you caught still more things. So, I mean, it's, it, it is a process, but again, I look at it and I kind of marvel that it, yeah, it was only two years. <laughs> and it was a fun process. And I don't want anyone to get overwhelmed if you think, oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot of choices. The truth is you do one step at a time. 
Yes. And, you know, you complete one step at a time and don't think about the others and you don't worry about a cover, you know, at the beginning, that's towards the end, toward the end and all those things. So, I mean, and there's lots of information out there. And of course you can always um, email me, ask me questions, but there's lots of information and people that have courses and blog posts about all that. And uh, uh, there's many writing podcasts that stay up to date on the changing technology. Um, the sell more book show is one. So if you, if, if you were like, oh my gosh, that's too much. Um, listening to a few of the good podcasts that are not only about craft, but about the marketing of the books uh, is extremely helpful. And it'll alleviate some of that fear if you get overwhelmed. So, right. But thank you for that. That was more than I even, you know, thought about that you would answer. So that, that was great. You really gave them a, a broad overview of it. And I'm, so that's good. Thank you for that. You're um, so is there anything else you wanted to add? Oh gosh, I can't think of anything. Um, just again, folks can contact me at Facebook or Instagram, Rockland Grace Remnant Writer, rocklandgrace at gmail.com. If somebody wants to send me an email, happy to visit through email too. Perfect. Okay, so let's pray for the readers and the um, writers and the viewers. <laughs> um, you pray first and then I'll close it out. Father, we're so grateful for our time together. And Lord, I just pray that uh, for the writers and the other artists out there who may be listening to this, that um, your spirit would just touch them and that you would uh, help make the pathway clear for them because you are, you know, the light. You are the light, the light into our feet and you open the pathway and you make it clear for us. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all that you've done for me and for uh, Sherry. And uh, I pray that we would continue to be able to um, flow and move in this calling. And I just pray for all the other writers and that you would help them to step forward, step out, take the risk and do the writing because that's their calling and it's a gift that they can give to others. And uh, we're just so grateful for your spirit and your guidance in Jesus name. And Lord, we, um, I just pray that everyone listening or watching that you would fill them with your courage and with the boldness that she talked about and that you would help them articulate the story the book they have inside of them, the poem, the song, the play, the movie script, whatever type of writing you've called them to, Lord, I pray that you would you would equip them and where they are equipped, but they don't feel they are, they feel like they're not ready, that you would show them through your word um, and through other things happening in their life, experiences through the mouths of others, that they're ready and the time is now. And we just plead the blood of Jesus over them. And we thank you, Lord, that our readers, our inheritance, and that our books are part of our legacy to the world and to our family. And we just thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. And until next time, keep writing. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
If you're looking for information on how to write a novel, a memoir, or a nonfiction book, go to thewritersacademy.net. That's right, thewritersacademy.net for details. And until next time, keep writing.